I have to say, I'm, I'm, this never ceases to support. I say this nearly every time. I say this nearly every time, right? Me and Patrice never get to talk before, right? Like, we have a little rotor, right? And, um, right, you're on this, you're on this, and, and we have a rotor, right? And we always are in our silos. If I'm on preaching, I go, seek the Lord, right, what do you want? Sometimes I argue with him and go, are you sure about that? And he goes, yeah, I think I'm God. Is that all right if you deliver that one, right? So anyway, um, but it's so beautiful. You see in what God is speaking to people and how the Holy Spirit is weaving things. It never ceases to amaze me that the blessing of God is on us when we seek him. And there is no doubt in my mind what this message is about this morning in terms of the Holy Spirit wanting to deliver it. So I hope I hold up to his expectations. <laughs> Let me pray. Let me pray. Lord God, it's an absolute privilege to, uh, to just even to be in this position to teach your word. And I say that word very humbly, teach, Lord, because I, I just need you to use me, use these words. Let your words speak through me, not my words, Lord God. And let, I just for your people, I ask that ears to hear. Ears to hear, Lord God. We, we need to hear your voice, no one else's. Lord, and guys, I give you permission, test what I'm saying. Test these things. You know, these are really important scriptures that we're going to go through. Open up your hearts and minds. Lord, I ask for the Holy Spirit to anoint us at this, at this time. We just cut everything else off, any noise outside, anything that's on our minds, so that we just sit at your feet this morning. Almighty God, to hear your word, what you have to say. And we ask this in, in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. So Patrice opened up with doubt. And funny enough, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Doubt. And how dangerous doubt can be. Let me just read out a scripture of, um, from Matthew 24, uh, 32. And Jesus uh, has just gone through the, the... Rob spoke a couple of weeks ago about in, 20, uh, in, in Matthew 24 about uh, there will be pestilences and earthquakes and all of that stuff, right? So I did a bit of, not a funny story, right? But a, a kind of a scary story for me. I was like, whoa. I was studying this stuff the other night, right? And there I am doing a bit of research on how many pestilences have happened over the last 50 to 100 years. How many earthquakes have happened, like a magnitude. So I'm studying that stuff. And then I get a text that a massive earthquake hit Morocco. Uh, and you're kind of shot into space, going, oh, okay. Um, I, I, just at that moment, I was like, Jesus, okay, I, what's going on here? This, and it just shook me to my core to go, this stuff is real. <laughs> this is real. This is, we're in the middle of this stuff. We're in the middle of what Jesus was talking about. You know, I thoroughly believe that. You know, by the way, my studying didn't kick off the earthquake, right? Uh, but... I'm just like, you're in the middle of this stuff, and I'm, I'm literally researching and seeing the graph of earthquakes, mega earthquakes happening around the world for the last 50 years, 100 years, and all of a sudden you get this text in the middle of this stuff going, it's seven magnitudes on the Richter scale. Like, and you're like, and this is one of the things Jesus has really been pulling me into, the reality that I've been living in versus the real reality, if that makes sense. And I'm probably going to butcher that a little bit, so I'm asking the Holy Spirit for strength in that one, right? Because I can't really talk about that without him, because talking about, okay, there's a different reality. They're actually, we're, we're living in a world right now where everything has to be proof. 
Prove it. Prove it. You get it yourself, right? You get people going to prove Jesus is right. You know, all this stuff. And we as Christians, we're trying to get all of that proof and pull it. And you're kind of going, is that the way? Is that really the way you're going to give you tons of proof? Because I know from my conversations with people, I give them loads of proof. And they still go, no, I'm okay. I still want my story. I still want to be my own God. You can give me all the proof you want. And you can see that in the secular world at the moment. Anyway, let me read uh, Matthew 24. After Jesus said, pestilences, earthquakes, all that stuff. Now learn this from the fig tree. When its branches has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all of these things, the pestilences, etc., know that it is near. At the doors. At the doors. At the doors. Now, you have a few choices here when you hear this, right, genuinely, and that's up to you. you. Again, you test what I'm about to say, and I don't claim to know when Jesus is returning, but I'm going to do what Jesus says in Scripture and say, keep an eye out. I am certainly going to look for the times I'm going to seek Him, seek the Holy Spirit to say, what are we living in? What are we living through right now? Give me your reality to the one the world wants you to pull it, or be pulled into, Yeah? So this is exactly what Jesus has been working on. One, two things. First one. A few weeks ago when I was praying, I got it clear as day. Jesus saying, this is real. And it stopped me in my tracks. And what, in the essence of all of that was, I, 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 I am real. And I was like, yeah, I, kinda, I know you're real. No, no. And he stopped me. And I was like, no, no. This is real. I am real. And whatever happened to my spirit, whatever that message did to my spirit, it actually elevated my, my thought process. It just elevated me to go, whoa, how quick I am to go down the route of, is it really, you know, letting your senses overtake, let the world feed you with nonsense? And it really shifted me back, jolted me back into belief. How important it is to align yourself with and your mind going, no, actually, Jesus, I believe in you. I, I, no, I believe this. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross. And that me speaking to myself, speaking those truths, really shifted me into a gear. I was like, oh, I needed that. Because the subtlety of how we can be brought into just slowly gnarled away, like the enemy in the garden. Do you think that's real? Do you think that's what God will do? do you, the subtlety of the world and the enemy, it won't come like a brick. It is subtle. And I needed that jolt of Jesus saying to me, this is real. And I genuinely believe the church is getting a jolt across the world. You look at some of the big heavy hitters of, of preachers, right, who have amazing teachers. There are all of them. You see the spirit moving and you see the same thing that they're talking about. Time to get intimate with Jesus. Time to stay in the Word. Time to not be led by the world. All of these things, like you, you look at these themes that they're all, they're obviously not talking to one another, right? Because they're all from different even denominations, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't dream of talking to one another for starters, right? So, but, but you can see the Spirit weaving the church, weaving it. If you just listen, and that's like, I asked Lorraine in the car this morning, can you just check for me how many times in Scripture it says, let those who have ears hear. And even in Revelation it says seven times, let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. And I'm not real. I just got that scripture in the car coming. 
And Lorraine was like, yeah, it's a lot, actually. It was 59 times, was it? 59 times. One plus for every, every, every day of the year, uh, every week of the year, right? And an extra seven for a good measure, right? The world, as I, I, I think I preached on this a couple of weeks ago, the world is at absolute enmity for your walk with God. It's an enemy to your walk with God. And I'm asking you again, let those who have ears hear, folks. And the key questions I have here, I don't have answers. You have to answer these. How well is your faith? How well is your faith in Jesus? How's your belief in Jesus? How real is the gospel to you? How undivided is your heart? We're praying here. I, I say this not to... I'm conscious of saying this uh, because it, it sounds like you're, you're kind of like we were here yesterday praying. I'm, I'm just conscious of that because it's not. Um, we were here yesterday praying. And Jesus convicted me of something. He said, when you step into doubt, you make me really small. Like, literally, I was floored by that. When you doubt me, you make me really small. And he didn't mean it as a kick in the head moment, like, how dare you? He meant, Bernard, you need a bigger picture of me, sunshine. I need to be your reality, your only reality. His story needs to be the only story. Everything that I see, I need to look through his lens and his lens alone. talk about that undivided heart in Samuel uh, 1 Samuel 7 then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying if you return to the Lord with all your heart remove the foreign gods and the Astaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him alone he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines In 1 Kings, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. So, and you see this reflection, because I have Revelation 3, where it says, Jesus is talking and he says, I know your deeds. He's talking to the church in Laodicea. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because uh, you say, I am rich and become wealthy and have uh, a need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. My goodness. That's to the church he's speaking that. He's not speaking that to people who don't believe in him. He's saying, wake it up. You think you're this, but you're not. You so th- there is a danger in this time of becoming divided, of having a divided heart. This sway of two and forth, of hearing something that somebody says and then going, one day your faith in Jesus is on the floor and then the next day you're riding high. That's not what Jesus wants. Look at the story with Peter walking on, walking on the water. He, he wanted Peter. Come on, keep coming, son, keep coming. 
and Peter got way down, took his eyes off Jesus, doubted, boom, started to sink. Jesus wants us to walk on water with him. Not because we can, because he can. It's faith in him. James 1 says this, Being of double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So having this back and forth is not good. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, messages to Christians. Isaiah 29 says this, Then the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words and honour me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me, and their reverence for me consists of traditional learning by rote. And then David says in the psalm, and I absolutely love this, Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Oh, I say yes to that. Give me an undivided heart, Lord. And I think there is a danger in one of those undivided hearts pieces. And what the Lord has been working on me, the second part of what the Lord is working on me is, this issue with intellectualism of this age. The glorifying of knowledge. The glorifying of intellect. Even in Christian spaces, I see it. The glorifying of knowledge. Poor old Job got God's backhand with that one, didn't he? Right? Job having a great old argument, really good argument. You read his argument with his friends and you're like, good man, Job, you get God's. God says, really? Really? Let's have a read of what God says to Job. And the Lord answered Job from a whirlwind. Who is, uh, he says, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. You imagine God answering, asking you this? Oof. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who lays its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it bursts from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it in, uh, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. What a test! <laughs> Basically, and I've fallen into that at times. I've fallen into wanting knowledge rather than revelation and wisdom. There's a humongous difference, and I see the arguments between. The secular world and Christians, we try, we're trying to get into that intellectual realm of proof, disproof, proof, disproof, proof, disproof. And I just love to get into that and go, You've, listen, what are you going to do with the cross and the resurrection of Jesus? That's it. That's it. That's the reality we have to come from. And it's okay not to get into that argument of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's okay. God can defend himself at times. It's okay to have knowledge, but once it's wisdom and revelation from the Lord, once it's not used 
as, and this is what the Lord showed me this morning, that once it's not used as an Asherah pole, an idol of how clever you are. And that's what, that's what I think Job was, what was happening with Job. He was a clever lad. God says, how are you using those smarts? Is it wisdom or is it just knowledge? When I was studying this stuff, I said, okay, Lord, I, I'm, not, I'm not intelligent enough to understand this stuff. You need to give me a few downloads. Like, like you need to help me here because I'll only step into trying to intellectualize it and be smart, right? And I'm like, I don't want that. I'm preaching on this. That's the last thing I want to do. Why, what, do you, what do I need to do? So I, I really sought the Lord and, and these are the things that I got and, and test them, <laughs> test these. Knowledge that doesn't bring worship is not worth anything. And I'm like, I've sought knowledge. I've sought that. I've sought it badly. I've gone. I want to be intelligent for you, Lord. I want to know everything about you. I want to read so many things. I want to... And I have to confess. I haven't brought that under the, the, sancti- the, the sanctification of the Lord, the cleansing of the Lord. Going, no, Lord, you have my intellect. You tell me where to go. You give me the revelation. Let me test this, the, the, the video I just saw. Let me test... Does that, how does that hit my spirit? Does it lead me into awe of you? Of closeness and, and, and relationship with you? That's the litmus test for me. Because let's have a read of a few scriptures. In Proverbs 9, this is what it says. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And I was like... Yeah, okay, that's fair, Lord. I, I'm actually guilty of that because you know, some I got I got knowledge. I was looking at knowledge. My judgment was still pretty awful, Lord, at times, and that's a good litmus test because uh, where's the scripture? It says that you know God wants us to mature, so we know good from evil. He wants us to grow up. But that growth doesn't happen with your, just yourself and your intellect. Isaiah 29 says this, And the Lord said, Because this people... Oh, I, I read that out already, so it's an important one. So I said it twice, so I'm going to read it again. Because of this people draw near to me with their mouth and honour me with... And Jesus even said this, actually, about the Pharisees, uh, with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. Oh, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Wow. David says this in the psalm. Oh, this, is, this is gorgeous. I really hope this hits your heart the way this hit me. In Psalm 51. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. See, intellectualism brings you to... Uh, cockiness it certainly doesn't bring you to a a contrite heart a humble heart a knowing of who God is is sitting under the stars and going wow it doesn't bring you to your face on the floor going Lord I humble myself because you are so great literally yesterday I saw Jesus in a little box and I had to go I'm really sorry about that Lord I'm sorry 
I confess, I worship you for who you are. I need you to show me how big you are. And this is what, this is what my prayer was yesterday. Hopefully I have it here. I said, I am not settling anymore for how small I've made you. So I test you how small or big. If this doesn't resonate with you, great. Right. If God is big for you, amazing. Teach us, help us, disciple somebody if God is so big. Genuinely, I'm not saying that in a really like... Like we're all on journeys. If you find that you, you, you get this stuff, please like really get discipling somebody that and bring them on the journey. Because we all need to be brought and discipled on a journey of not settling for how small we've made Jesus. And here's another question for you. The version of Jesus that you have do you think it could get bigger? Do you think he has a lot more to offer you from a revelation point of view, from a love point of view? What, how, where are you in that walk? And have you asked them? I have so many times, guys, I have so many times in my Christian journey, in, my, in the stupidity of it, right, have gone, I've got this cracked. <laughs> right, I'm sure you can relate to that. I'm, I get, I'm getting this. I'm getting this, and then the next day, <laughs> a bit of humble pie. Right? But the beauty where we should be at is sitting at his feet, constantly following him, constantly abiding in him, going, Jesus, reveal more, more and more, because it's endless. It is absolutely endless, and it's a dangerous place to get into, and it's a, a ploy of the enemy to get into going, I've got this cracked. Adam and Eve did it. We got this cracked. Sure, eat that apple. Bowl. That'd be fine. Grand lads. Wasn't. I want a faith like Noah. Build an ark. There's no rain. I'm going to flood the place. 120 years later, he's still building. I want that faith. I want that faith undoubted, way un, un, not filled with any doubts. No, standing here, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a job. There's two ways the church is going to go at the end. And it, um, one is a, a place of, of, of deception. Right? Jesus warns about this. Scripture warns about this. Now, if you're me and I'm sitting there, I've heard this so many times. And there will be a preacher one day who will preach the last sermon. There will be one day that the last person will be born. I don't know when that is. That's why you've got to seek the Lord and go, what times are we living in, Lord? And all of the, the strong hitters that I really trust in the Lord are like, be ready. And even now we're like, yeah, okay. Right? I think Jesus is waking up in the, trying to wake up his church to go, I need a church that is red hot for me. Not lukewarm, red hot for me. And I think he begs the question to all of us, what if it is the time? What if it is? What are you going to do with the minus in your hand? What are you going to do? I've given you money. I've given you gifts. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to act as if, ah, sure, give it a lash. We'll go through the motions. I think Jesus is really trying to wake up his church. Now, the great thing about this, 
we don't have to do it in our own strength. It's not, he's not asking us to get out there and do stuff that, that is not of him. And not in, but he's asking for a church to be really, utterly, intimately aligned with him. And we can only do that by staying away from what the world is trying to offer. And we'll go into that now in a sec. There is a humongous movement at the moment. And it's very big of an anti-God movement. You can see it all over the place, right? But it's, it's, it's bigger than you think, right? Yeah, like, you know, you probably see videos on YouTube and all that stuff, but it's absolutely huge. And I think, I believe it's the enemy seen writing on wall, the writing on the wall. Now, the enemy doesn't know, obviously. That's why, through history, he has tried to bring up figures like the Antichrist, right? Because the enemy doesn't know, so he tries to bring up people. Oh, this could be the time, so let's bring him up. So that's why you see all these evil people throughout history, right? That go, that could have been the Antichrist, that could have been the, the dude. So that's why the enemy keeps bringing up these people going, oh, could be, this could be the time, so I'll bring him up and see what happens, and, right? And that makes sense, because look at the history, it's, it's rife with horrificness. But the anti-God movement, you will hear an utter disdain for, for faith in God. And they will declare us, us as Christians, utterly stupid and archaic. You see it. You're, you're utterly mad to believe in what you believe in. You've got to be comfortable with that. You've got to be comfortable going, you, yeah, well look, yeah, you can call me all you want, but I believe this is the truth and reality. Let me share a few things with you and let me tell you why. I can only tell you from, and let the words that you express, let your testimony do its work. Right? But God is asking us, and you can see it in the church, guys, people falling away because this movement is so strong, the intellectual movement is so strong, people are going, do you think this is real? Where is Jesus actually? Has he come back yet? And, and there is going to be a falling away, folks. Unfortunately, people will step away from faith. And I'm here to warn you, doubt has no role to play in your Christian walk. If you let it in, it's not good. We are to be doubtless. Like, fair enough, you, you, you can waver and all that, but it's where you go to first, right? It's where you go to first. You're going to have these times where you're tested. You go, oh, Lord, show up here, will you? That's okay, because you're going back to the Lord, right? Because even David said, I want an undivided heart. It's where you go with that prayer. You don't let that doubt fester. And that thought process, like Adam and Eve, they let it fester. Oh, don't entertain it. That's what we're, do not entertain this stuff. Let me, let me uh, read out from uh, uh, 2 Peter 3. Um, this is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to uh, simulate your whole, wholesome thinking and refreshing your memory. I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what our Lord and Saviour commanded through your, through your apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that the last days scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained just as it is. In the first creation, look, that's what scoffers will do. Look, that's changed. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought forth the earth out of the, water and surrounded it, uh, uh, out of the water and surrounded it with water. 
Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as, un- as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along? On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. He has promised a world filled with God's righteousness. Now that, those words need to go from your intellectual realm into your spiritual being. This is the issue with the world. This is the issue with even the church. We want to have senses filled rather than seeking our spirit being filled. We have to look at those words and go, holy crap. But yet, we don't. This is serious stuff. Like I'm, like, I'm reading this going, okay, I have to align with this. I have to see that this is happening now, this will happen, that, like the Nicene Creed. I, I literally read that during the week and I was like, I, ha- I know it's quite, like, obviously it's been used hugely in the Catholic church, but let's just take it into space. Nicene Creed, it tries to declare what we believe, right? Read it and you go, I have to believe that. There's no middle ground. I can't say, resurrection could be true, virgin birth, Everything has to be true. And you have to be comfortable with that. You've got to be. There's no middle ground. And the main issue with the intellectual movement at the moment, and it is coming into the church, and we've got to stop, is that it is rife with issues. Rife with lies. And it is rife with doubt. Rife with doubt. And it is the yeast that ruins the batch. And it is the same enemy plot from the beginning. That's why I'm praying, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. The enemy hasn't changed his game plan. A little bit of doubt here, a little bit of this, a little bit of... And then boom! Look at some of the enemy's tactics. Some of them are, are really clear as day, and you're like, how are Christians falling for this, right? Like literally blatantly changing scripture to suit, right? The Bible is just stories and metaphor. The flood didn't happen. I should know it. An ark. And, uh, guys, I'm telling you, I've done that, gone, ah, oh, Lord, seriously, how has this happened now? Right? You know, that, that episode of uh, Mrs. Brown's Boys where the Mormons come into her and she turns around and says to them, Ah, lads, how did that happen? 
can you imagine the amount of crap on the boat, right? This kind of thing. And, but it's that li- those little subtle things that you, you start questioning. Could that have happened? Oh, you know, the, the question, sorry, but there's no room for that. I'm not asking you to be blind. I'm asking you to go back to Scripture and say, Lord, I don't want to make you small. This is possible. You've made the heavens and the earth. Of course it's possible for you. And stand there. Don't make yourself God and go, I know more than you. That couldn't have happened. Be careful of that stance. Be careful of the scientific approach of the world. That's what it's trying to deliver. It's walking people into the pit of hell. The enemy says, surely God won't allow people to go to hell. Stop, it's not real. The loving God, God doesn't send anyone to hell. They choose themselves. Surely scripture doesn't mean that. It's just a lovely metaphor. And one of the worst, worst lies of the enemy is, that scripture is not for you. A horrific lie of the enemy. God gave you this word, his word as a manual for your life. He speaks the same promises over you that he speaks the promises over the people in the Bible. That's why he gave it to you. This life is complex. Read the manual. (laughs) Unbelief, folks, is not okay. You know, I know we, we do waver. You can have your moments and again, I'll go back to where you're bringing it to. Unbelief is not a place. This is one of the best prayers I pray. It's from a guy called John Eldridge. And he actually says in the prayer, Lord, remove all doubt. I confess my doubts. Remove it from me. It's really important to do that. The fruit of doubt. We make Jesus small, our faith diminishes, and our activity in the kingdom decreases. Because you get into the fog of war. You get out of the reality of his story. Folks, you need to stay in the reality of his story. This is all his story. The world will tell you it's not really... Like, honestly, some of the stuff that's coming out now from the world is just horrific. Stay in his story, folks. And walk in belief. Claim belief. You see it when Jesus walked on water and poor old Peter, I said it earlier on, God love him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. Yeah, come on out Peter, come, it is me. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked towards Jesus. But then he saw the strong wind and waves. He was terrified and began to think, Save me Lord, save me. And what did Jesus say? So Jesus grabbed them. You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Jesus said, why did you doubt me? See the danger of doubting Jesus? Even a small bit. There's no room for doubting Jesus. And then after that, the disciples worshipped him. (laughs) How awesome is that? So, what is the reality that we are to live in? What is it? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Etch that into somewhere. Put it on your eyeballs. Get it tattooed on your eyeballs if needs be. Right? 
John 14, 6. Remember it from this day on if you don't remember it. I am the way, the truth and the life. That word truth, this is the beauty about this. When you, see it, when you hear this, the word truth in Hebrew is emet. It's a noun that means truth, faithfulness, reliability, certainty. It is derived from the root word aman, which means to be firm, reliable, true. The meaning of this, truth is what uh, is which in accordance with reality. Jesus is claiming, I am the reality. Scripture tells us, I made the universe. Like Colossians tells us, he made it. The world you live in, he made it. God knit you in the womb. Jesus was there. Jesus knew you before. He even created you. And that's the reality we need to walk in. Not fumble in spaces that are unbelief. And I say this to me, by the way, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> I love it. Jesus is saying, I am your reality. I am the story. You can trust me. Nothing else. Don't trust anything else. Trust me. That's part of the root word as well. I love the old saints. If you read the old saints stuff, right? St. Patrick, just even start there. St. Patrick wrote this amazing prayer. You know, right? You read that and you go, wow. He, he, he had an intimacy and an unwavering faith in, in God. And I think we've lost some of that in the intellectual kind of race, right? We've lost the, the faith in God, no matter what kind of thing. I think that's okay. Now, you have to be blind and see all that stuff, but we've lost that walk of intimacy, of trust with God. We want proof before we step into that faith or relationship with God. Where you see, read the old saints. They didn't allow intellectualism batter their faith in the Lord. Their walk with him, their intimacy. Even the old scientists didn't allow that. The guys that are claimed as, as brilliant by scientists, but the scientists of this day, anti-God movement, tends to forget that that's the reason why they sought out their science. is because they knew there was a maker. They knew there was a creator. And they were on fire for him. So there is a danger, folks. I'm going to read out Proverbs. And, and I, I, I implore you, I insist, I ask you, please read this out today again. Or over the week, read this out. You need to protect your hearts and minds, what goes into it. You need to protect what goes into your home, what goes into your family. Don't for a second think that you shouldn't be testing everything that comes through your door. What goes on your TV, your radio, all of that stuff. You don't be naive. Don't. Even when you're flicking through social media, don't be naive of what you're letting into your brain. Let me read out Psalm, or Proverbs 4. <clears throat> A father's wise advice. My children... 
Listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me. Take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you grace. Embrace her and she will honour you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say. And you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's ways. And lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you will not stumble. Take hold of my instructions Do not let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't be as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they are stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. And fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, if that wasn't a proverb for today, I don't know what else is. That's literally the New Testament wisdom packed all into one. It really is. How much time do you spend in the Word? And this is not, I'm trying to not convict you and condemn This is not. But literally what God is saying, folks, stay in wisdom. Stay in my ways. Stay in the Word. Stay in me. Because there's a warning here. If you don't, there is another path. And it leads to pretty nasty things in your life. Like it leads to not good things. Doubt, fear, anxiety, all of these nasty things. This is God's plan for you folks. Hebrews 5.13 
For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. The last thing we want to do, guys, is to be pushed to and fro. I think that's in Ephesians 4, where it says, don't be bashed by the world, being tossed to and fro by any stupid thing that comes along. And if you feel that, I'm just telling you, you need to be in the Word. This is where it tells you to be. So we've got to pray for discernment, conviction, staying in the Word, staying and asking the Lord for an intimate relationship with Him. Wilkerson and Derek Prince, two people I absolutely love, both of them say this as an anecdote. To, 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 they both proclaimed, even years ago, they were like, it's time, folks. You want to you step into the Word here. You want to watch how God unravels the world now. And that was 20 years ago, right? These are guys who I really trust and got word from the Lord. When you look at some of the things they said, one of the great things they both said was, like um, Wilkerson would call it, you need to be intimate with the Lord. You need to get into your prayer closet, right? Basically what he's saying is, you need to carve out time. Be still. Know that I am God. No, no doubt. You're funny, you mentioned doubt was there. Right? You need to carve out time for the Lord, folks. And that's the reality. That's the Daniel reality. Right? Daniel is a perfect analogy for this. The world saying, you've got to do like this, do what I say, do what I do. And Daniel saying, no, I'm going to follow the Lord God. I'm going I'm to find time for Him. And folks, I, I think it's time. I do. I think it's time that we really need to take this stuff really seriously. You need to take your intimate walk with Jesus seriously. And I'm saying this as a father figure, if I can dare say that to you folks. I would be really remiss that the the level of imprint that this has put on my heart for you is huge. I would be not doing proper order if I didn't say this. That's how much I've... Folks, the amount of dreams that I've been having about the times that we're living in, and I say this with all love, not big, I hope, don't believe it because I'm having dreams. Go to the Word and see what Jesus says. Go to Jesus and see what he says. And I think he's genuinely, in his grace and love, warning his church, going, time to get focused on me, folks. Not to be tossed to and fro. Get serious about your walk with me. Let's pray. Lord God, we do need you. We do need you and your truth um, to tell us that what the times we're living in. And not just so that we know, just so that we can be your hands and feet in this time of the world needing us desperately. Lord, I ask for eyes to see and ears to hear. I ask for my eyes to be revealed to what really is happening on this earth at this time and how you want to use your church. Lord, I thank you that your movements on this earth are so beautiful. that You don't want anyone to perish. I thank you for the works that you're doing across the world. I thank you for your Christians who are under persecution but still follow you. In China, Iran, India, all of your churches are bubbling underground. Home churches are kicking off like 
a speed that is just so you, Holy Spirit. God, can you show us those things? It shows us that you're on the move. I love when C.S. Lewis in, his, in, in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, one of my favourite sayings, Aslan is on the move. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus is on the move. And we say, Jesus, we want to be on the move with you. Where, where our senses have been lulled, sharpen them. Lord God, I want an undivided heart to you. I want to give all my life to you for the gospel. I want to give everything to you, Jesus. I want to walk in your path that you've set before me. Lord God, I ask. I ask that everything I do in my life is to your end, not my own. I ask that you give me that in my life now. And I ask that your people pray this too. That Lord, you put us on such a level of intimacy that everything I do in my life is to your end. Which is your return, Jesus. Your end is your return. You're claiming back your bride. You're coming back. You're restoring the earth, the heavens. Everything be restored unto you. No tear will be, you know, will be shed. Everything wiped away, Lord. That is your end. Lord, I, I, I confess that I need to be brought into that reality. I need a revelation. I don't need knowledge. I need revelation and wisdom from you. I ask you that, Jesus. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. I know we didn't do communion. We're going to do communion now, right? I know it's just five minutes. This is actually probably the most important part of it. Let's hand out communion. Is that okay? Thank you. So before we do communion, can I ask, the scripture has said, um, maybe it's uh, quite enough time. Maybe this is the spirit, actually, the way he's unfolded this one. Yeah. Um, can I just ask you to, as scripture says, examine yourself. Is this serious? Um, Trace, can I grab one of them? Um. The funny thing is, I, I can't bring the reality to you. The Holy Spirit has to do that, right? And that takes me pressure off me, which is amazing. Because I can't do it. But I do ask, folks, that the enormity of what we're about to do impresses on your heart. Somebody died for your sins, folks. That's amazing. <laughs> we should do more dancing in the views than, than we think, right? Somebody died willingly, lovingly for your sins. So that you could be presented as a beautiful bride to the Father. Now let that not be words. Let that not be words. And if you're struggling with, with Jesus, I don't know the enormity of this. It's a great place to start. Because you can say, Jesus, make it real to me. Make this real. That's why I really believe Jesus said, remember this. Remember this, because that's where it kicks off. This is where it all happened. I crawled up Calvary, <laughs> bloodied, you know, put my own blood on my Father's mercy seat for you, so that I get you back. 
This is for relationship. It's not for religion. It's for you back with your Father in Heaven. Full-blown relationship. So please examine yourself before you take this. Because this is real. This is real. This is why we examine ourselves. This is real, folks. We're remembering a real-life event. Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He was God. He is God. So we remember this. Jesus, this is real. I'm declaring this is real. You did it for me. You did it for me. You shed your blood. You broke, broke your body for me, Lord God. Every ounce of your blood was shed so that the mercy seat of God was satisfied. That the punishment due to me, Jesus, was laid on you. One of the most remarkable, scariest scriptures in Isaiah says, and it pleased the Lord to crush him. Because folks, out of that crushing came you. (laughs) You are the new wine that the Father loves. And Jesus was crushed for you. That's the reality. This is the reality we got aligned to. Jesus, you are crushed for me and I thank you. There is no other way to the Father other than through you, Jesus. I accept it. I accept you as my reality. I accept you as my way. So I take this cup, I take this blood, Jesus, as remembrance for you, knowing I've examined myself, Jesus, knowing there's nothing I could have done myself other than humble myself to you, King, and say, take my sins or I will die. I will have life because of you, Jesus. I drink this blood. I drink this cup. I drink it into me, taking all your promise that I will live with my Father forever. I will live with you, Jesus. Oh God, I take this bread in remembrance for you, of you, Lord God, the remembrance that you broke your body for You went to the cross to satisfy the justice of the Father. The justice that should have been dealt out on me. I take this knowing that when I get to see my Father, my sins have been blotted as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus, as I take this, I don't want to live in doubt anymore. I want to live in the full truth, full alignment, Body, spirit, soul, mind, full alignment of the truth, the reality that you are the way, the truth and the life. And I take this, Jesus. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of you, Lord. I want your story, your reality. I want my life to be to your end. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.